Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do this without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Thank you to all of our great sponsors. Hey, welcome back everyone to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Today, we've got a very special guest, Candace Pritchett-Mitchell, uh, who works with the Atlanta Public School System, is going to uh, share a little bit of her background and her best practices. Candace, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and join you guys. Oh, gosh, it's been great to, uh, to get to know you these last few months with Zoom conferences and everything. Uh, as you know, the life of an AD is very busy, so we're going to jump right into things. We always okay. like to let our listeners uh, have a chance to get to know our guests. So, Candace, just share uh, a little bit about your background, where you grew up, where you went to college, and, and how you got into sports. Okay, well, I do have a unique background, um, but like as many ADs, I grew up in a family of educators, coaches, and athletes. Um, I'm the only girl. I have an older brother and a younger brother, and so I, I was actually just telling my younger brother the other day that I feel like they perfectly roughed me up, protected me, and, and loved me. But growing up in a family of educators and coaches and athletes, you know, this is an easy progression for me. Um, I grew up born and raised in Atlanta, and so just grew up around sports all my life. So growing up in sports and being around it, being on its sideline, you know, being, you know, in the coach's office with my uncles or with my dad, just kind of picking up on things, just kind of became a part of me. So this has been an easy transition for me. Um, I played basketball and I ran track um, all my life. And in high school, you know, the WNBA wasn't an option. And I knew I didn't want to play overseas. So I thought I'd stick with track and field. I did uh, accept a full scholarship at the University of Texas where um, I had a very successful uh, career until I was plagued with injuries and, you know, had to take a basically um, a medical withdrawal from, from sports. But I was still able to contribute, you know, as a student athlete. But before getting to Texas, I was an elite track athlete, you know, in youth track and field and traveling all over the country um, uh, and all over the world. I had an opportunity to represent uh, Team USA on our first world uh, national team. And uh, that was an experience. I was the youngest person on the team. But, you know, again, all of this is just kind of who I am. Been around it for a while. Well, I know that, uh, you know, that background in sports led you into, um, you know, the educational field. Tell us a little bit about those early uh, teaching and coaching jobs. Well, my first teaching job was in middle school. I've taught middle school, elementary school, and high school. When I first started teaching, um, I actually taught 
science and math. I was a special education teacher and I taught math, science, um, social studies, and eventually went back to my heart. I got certified in health and physical education, started teaching health and PE. Um, then I moved to the elementary level uh, where I was the PE coach. I mean, the PE teacher, but still coaching uh, at the high school level. And then I eventually got into the building where I was teaching health and physical education and coaching in high school. Uh, that was what I did before I got this job. I know uh, you also, um, in your coaching experience, uh, you coached some high school football too. Tell us about that. <laughs> well, I did coach a little high school football. I was a linebackers coach at Henry County High School. And I didn't just fall into that. Uh, I, as an adult, I found women's football. And uh, so I've been a linebacker ever since 2004 when I first found the game of women's football. And so I was able to bring some personal experience to the game. Uh, coach Starr and I, he was the head football coach at Henry County High School. At the time, we'd always sit around and talk football and he'd say, you know what, you should come on out because I think you kind of know what you're talking about. And, you know, whatever you aren't comfortable with, I can help you along the way. And sure enough, he and the other uh, co coaching staff uh, helped me you know, to transition into that role, I started to be very comfortable. Initially, I was a little intimidated because, you know, it was nothing that I had done before. Never even thought I'd have the opportunity to do it. Um, I didn't know what I would be able to contribute. But with my experience and just my, uh, my knack at being a, a coach, I was able to couple coaching with my personal experience and, and give that to the boys. And so they were very receptive. And it was probably uh, some of the best times I've had in coaching, coaching linebackers. That <laughs> was a former quarterback and skinny wide receiver. I never wanted to play on the dark side of the field. Um, dark side as, is where it's at. <laughs> as a player, uh, you didn't just play uh, in the professional league, but you also had some international experience too. Absolutely. Um, in 2017, I'd actually, my last year playing, uh, I started with the Atlanta Explosion, and uh, when that team dissolved, I picked up and joined the Atlanta Phoenix, and 2016 was my last year playing, but I'd had an opportunity to try out for Team USA, which was going to compete uh, for the gold medal, and so I initially made the team as an alternate, but as we all know in sports, when your number's called, you better be ready. And so uh, a linebacker had a very significant injury. She was a player in Philadelphia, she had an injury. And so I was called up to take her spot. And I couldn't have been more excited because I waited a long time for that call. You know, you just got to be ready just in case. And so being an alternate, I prepared myself for that call. I didn't want to, you know, be in a position where I wouldn't be ready to just jump right in. So when they called, I was ready and uh, we won a gold medal in 2017. Wow, what a great experience. Thank you. Well, elite athlete, uh, teacher and coach, you know, professional uh, football player. How did all of that turn into your current position with the Atlanta Public Schools as an AD? Well, interestingly enough, um, I started to get a lot of media attention, you know, being a female coach on the sideline, a lot of times I show up for the games. They didn't know if I was the trainer or the, the AD and you know, to explain to people, I'm actually a coach, you know, and so I kind of started getting some attention as being a female coach 
on a high school a football team and a friend of mine had gotten wind of it and but he knew my background we grew up together and so he said you know with your skill set your knowledge your talent he said I know of a position you know that's opening in Atlanta public schools and I think you'd be great and so when he told me about it being a district athletic position you know I said oh wow you know that's that's going to be a huge jump but I trusted the skills that I possessed and so I went for it and I haven't looked back. <laughs> well, uh, I first, uh, you know, became aware of you through your connections with our national organization, the NIAAA, and, you know, we were trying to get you down to speak at our state conference in Florida, and, you know, that didn't happen, you know, in, uh, in reality, but we were able to get you to participate in our virtual conference. So, you know, you have uh, really made a name for yourself and, you know, for Atlanta Public Schools oh, in the last you. couple of years. Um, what do you see as some of the, uh, your big accomplishments as an administrator at the state level so far? Well, you know what, when I, when I came on board with Atlanta Public Schools, I was very fortunate uh, to work under one of the best leaders in the athletic administration, you know, in my eyes, Mr. Jasper Jewell. And he took me under his wings immediately. And he saw a fire in my eyes. And we communicated a lot about, you know, me transitioning into uh, more responsibilities and, and getting involved on the state and national level. And so, you know, being taken under the wing of Jasper Jewell, I was a allowed an opportunity to, ju to just basically flourish. And so very early on, I think it was 2000, uh, let's see, I got the job in 2015. So to be named a region AD of the year, two years in a row, and then the next year be awarded state AD of the year for the state of Georgia, you know, it was just amazing. And I think it's just, just um, you know, ways of acknowledging the work that I've put in and the way I've embraced this role. Um, I, I, as you may have read in the article that was published in Wingfoot Magazine, I mentioned that if I won the lottery, I'd probably still come to work. That's how much I truly love this job. And um, so, you know, just being recognized for the work that I do. Um, and a, we don't do our work to get pats on the back or to get a plaque or a trophy. You know, you have to want to do this, but the recognitions, you know, are pretty good. And, um, and I appreciate that. Um, I've, the past couple of years, I've served on GHSA uh, Board of Trustees, um, which was an, and has been an eye-opening experience. Opportunities like that just really get to show you the inner workings of our craft. And so I've really embraced this opportunity and um, I, I plan to continue to be as involved as I can on the state and national level. Well, I know one of the things that you um, were instrumental, instrumental in helping develop was uh, the sport of flag football uh, in Georgia. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I won't take all the credit myself. Um, I do still currently play flag football. Well, if it wasn't for the national um, pandemic we were in, well, the global pandemic, you know, I'd still be on the field right now. But um, I have a strong background in flag football. And, you know, I credit my my personal experiences, you know, to people like Mashonda Gilmore, Zarek Foster, those guys spearheaded um, flag football, not only in Atlanta, but in the state of Georgia. And so just following in their footsteps and, you know, just being open to ideas of it being integrated into high school sports, 
when when the opportunity presented itself, I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, I, I've got some background in it. You know, where can I help? Um, speaking very early on um, with the Atlanta Falcons about doing things like this, I was able to get the right people to the table, um, bringing them into our uh, state RESA meetings, um, presenting the idea, and Gwinnett County ran with it a few years ago. So Gwinnett County piloted the idea of girls' flag football in the state, and initially when they started, they were kind of afraid, you know, well, will we get, will we get numbers, will girls come out? And schools had hundreds of girls trying out for the teams. And so they knew very early on, we were on to something good. And then Rockdale picked it up, uh, Fulton picked it up, Henry picked it up. And, you know, so now it's going to be a, an official state sport starting this fall. Hopefully we'll be able to continue with fall sports if everything works out. And I'm just excited about it. I'm excited to be a part of it, but it was definitely a grassroots effort. And I can't thank uh, the Atlanta Falcons and USA Football enough uh, for partnering with not only Atlanta Public Schools, but other school districts in the state of Georgia. Well, we've seen flag football really grow uh, the last several years here in Florida. Um, you know, there's different pockets oh, of yeah. it, but it's, uh, it's uh, really a great sport. And for us, um, it's a spring sport. And so those challenges of getting our two states together are tricky. I want to talk about that for a little bit. Um, you know, we're up, uh, my school, we're up in the panhandle. You know, you're in Atlanta. You know, we're just a couple hours away from each other, uh, but yet in different state associations, you know, but we're closer to y'all than I am to uh, Miami-Dade, uh, which is in my state. Okay. So here's my question. Uh, I'm uh, very much involved with uh, the FHSAA, our state high school association. You're involved with uh, GHSA, the Georgia Association. Um, but both associations operate in different ways. Uh, for example, you know, Georgia has a very structured summer schedule. You know, what you can do as a school or a coach uh, versus dead periods and things like that. Florida's summer uh, has always been wide open. And, okay. and so there's obviously some advantages and some challenges with each system. What do you see are some really good things that Georgia High School Association does? And then maybe what are some things you'd like to see changed or tweaked? Um, not so much COVID related, but just in a general uh, conversation. Well, I think Georgia's on the right track, you know, uh, us not being so stringent during the summertime, you know, gives coaches and kids an opportunity um, to be with their families or, you know, to just be kids. Um, but I think that it's always a great idea to see what other states, especially surrounding states, seeing what those guys are doing, seeing what's working. But you have to have those conversations. And then it could be a great idea for us to pull in some of the things that are working for other states and to give schools in Georgia an opportunity to do something different. But right now, you know, it works for Georgia, but I'm always open to anything new or something different that could be advantageous for our kids and for our coaches. Let's talk about COVID because it's out there. It's not going away. Uh, again, in Florida, um, there is no uh, mandate at present from our state association. It's, up, it's been left up to the individual school districts uh, and, of course, following state and, and national guidelines. Up in the panhandle, I think many of the schools, including McClay, my school, um, were in kind of a phase two. 
and we're okay. doing workouts with social distancing, disinfecting, you know, the whole nine yards. Right. Uh, there's other districts, again, down the south uh, part of our state that haven't even returned from the spring shutdowns. And so they've been doing no, you know, group activities. Um, the state is considering uh, delaying the start of what we call, you know, fall sports, which normally would be July 27th. They're talking about maybe delaying it uh, three weeks. Um, what's going on right now in Georgia or for Atlanta public schools? What are you all doing? Uh, what are some safety protocols that are in place for where you are at? Okay, so in Georgia, of course, we are aligning with recommendations from the governor and from the CDC and GHSA set out some protocols. We were able to start summer conditioning in uh, on June 8th, but at the same time, GHSA set some standards in place, some protocols and procedures. But then, of course, each school district within the state um, can make rules that are, you know, at minimum, you stick with GHSA, but you could enforce policies that were more strict. Um, but GHSA did set uh, recommendations that they wanted all the school districts to follow. Um, but in Atlanta, we wanted to, a little bit more time to be prepared to purchase items needed to get to, um, get schools going um, in a safe manner to educate coaches and athletic directors and our athletic trainers on how we were going to implement our system for return to play. So we bought us another week and purchased all the items, had opportunity for professional development. And I think that Atlanta Public Schools has done an amazing job and we could not have done it without the buy-in and the education uh, that we implemented for our coaches and for our ADs and for our athletic trainers. It's, it's been pretty good. Now, one thing that I've noticed is no matter what you put in place, we don't have control in what people do outside of what we're doing at schools. And so we've had a very few number of cases with student athletes and coaches, but everyone is, is doing well. We're just going to continue to follow the protocols and procedures. Um, right now we're doing pods of 20. Uh, we're not allowing the pods to mix. Uh, we have very strong um, guidelines as far as uh, using face masks, um, using the disinfectants, um, cleaning up after each player, washing the balls, disinfecting everything um, after each practice. Uh, we have planned practices so that Jasper, myself, and um, our other district AD, Rendell Jackson, can go visit schools. We've gotten our administrators involved. Um, even our safety and security is involved because we have rules in place that no one from outside of the school district or outside of who should be at that practice, um, they, they shouldn't be on those campuses. So our safety and security uh, head by Chief Applin um, has have played an, a vital role in making sure that the campuses are safe and just helping us with this process. But it, it's been pretty good. How have, um, have the different uh, stakeholder groups responded to your return to play, the kids, the coaches, and, and the parents? How, how have they taken everything? For the most part, we've gotten a lot of uh, positive reaction uh, just by us taking an extra week to get everything together. Um, they see the work that we're doing to keep the children safe. Um, probably our, our biggest uh, thing would be 
you know, the community members not being able to access the facilities, you know, um, like they have been in the past, um, just to be able to get out and, and walk around. But we have to try to take control of our environment. It's for the safety of the kids. And once we explain that, um, they've been very receptive and, and it's been pretty good. Um, I'd like to pick your brain a little bit, um, you know, this spring and into the summer, you know, certainly been a challenging time uh, regarding, you know, social issues. Yes. Um, what are some things that, that we can do as athletic directors, as coaches, as, you know, leaders, uh, what can we do better? You know, how can we help uh, our student athletes? Well, you know what, I think that this movement that is taking place in our country right now is really uh, promoting some conversations that people have been avoiding for quite some time. And so it's okay to have these conversations and start facilitating some things to where people can make change, um, educating people on why we need to make change and you know, embracing people for their differences and what they're able to bring uh, to the table. A good friend of mine gave me a, a great analogy about um, you know, what's in your fruit basket do you only have apples and oranges in your fruit baskets? Uh, and so uh, he talked about getting more fruits in your basket uh, that offer more things uh, to the table. And so, you know, I encourage um, athletic directors and districts to foster these conversations, get more people involved, give people uh, with differences opportunities uh, to communicate and to contribute and to be a part of the change. But it also has to be authentic, I believe. You know, we don't want to just jump on a bandwagon and say, well, we'll do this because everybody else is doing that. Excuse me, but we want to make uh, the changes that we're doing authentic and, and be consistent with it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you sharing that. Well, gosh, Candace, this has just flown by. Uh, I could stay and uh, and talk with you for a long time, but we've kind of come to the end, and we always oh, like man, to wrap. Oh man, already! <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not quite done. We like to wrap up with what we call okay. the athletic director's toolbox. So, toolbox. you know, you've been an AD now. You've got, certainly got a long, um, illustrious career in athletics. Uh, you're getting ready to uh, help a brand new athletic director get started on their career, and okay. I'm only going to let you put three items in their AD toolbox? What three things are going to go in Candace Mitchell's toolbox? Um, three things in the AD toolbox. First of all, get connected with a veteran AD. Get connected with a veteran AD just so that you can make those calls, your go-to person. Um, number two, get your credentials. Stay on top of professional development. There's too much being offered to athletic directors that many of us are not taking advantage of. But get those credentials, take those professional development courses, build your arsenal to become a better athletic director. Um, finally, get involved. You know, uh, don't just take those classes and do nothing with it. But there are committees, you know, there are opportunities to volunteer, go to your state conferences, try to go to a national conference, um, reach out and make connections, network, because there are so many of us, not just, you know, in the state where you are, but in the nation and even around the world, because NIAAA is, is basically international. Um, connect with ADs that are doing things that you're doing and find out what's going on. And it's going to make you not only a better person, but a better athletic director. So I encourage those things. 
All right, great advice. Well, uh, again, I've enjoyed visiting with you. I've uh, enjoyed getting to know you a little bit uh, over this spring and summer. Uh, looking forward to uh, meeting you in person at our national conference uh, in Tampa in, Tampa. Tampa in December. That's certainly going to be a little warmer than Atlanta. Okay, But yes. uh, thank you so much. Good luck uh, with your uh, continued uh, efforts in uh, bicycling and uh, distance uh, riding. And uh, thank just you. thanks again for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Good luck, you guys. All right, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, come back next week for a, another new episode of the Educational AD. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Educational AD podcast. I want to remind you that the Zoom recording of this interview is also available on YouTube on the Educational AD channel. Thanks again for listening.